Ayurveda. What is Ayurveda? It's like, how do you describe it? It's kind of like a worldview, really, a tradition, but it's uh, the Indian. You've, you've heard of it. It's like the Indian. You know what? I don't even know if I should generalize it in that way because I don't know if everyone ascribes to it, but it seems like a very popular, like, cultural way of viewing and making sense of like the body and life and it's ancient and the there's my point is there's three physical constitutions that everyone has like a little bit of mm. in their life or sorry in their body I need to get my head on straight um and so they're called pitta which is a fiery energy Vata, which is an air energy, and then Kapha, which is more of like a, it like rules the mucous membranes and stuff. It's kind of like a denser energy. Anyways, you typically have like a primary and a secondary, and my primary is the fire energy. Hmm. So all of that to say, I'm very hot already. Like I kind of run hot. So then when you're in heat like this, I'm like red and, you know. I'm the same way. I'm built for winter time. Yeah. I like the cold. I like the hot, but I'm just, I can't deal with the humidity yeah. and sweating all the time. I know. Because, yeah, like, I'll be sitting here and just be, like, super hot. Like, don't touch your skin because you'll burn yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I wish I could, because I love swimming. I like, yeah, love, love going swimming, to lakes yeah. and, like, bodies of water. But just, like, the whole sun aspect of it being, I'm just, yeah, also not super built for it, clearly. Yeah, and it'll zap you. Plus, yeah. yeah, every time I've been out in the sun, it's just been, it's almost like you're hungover. You're so drained. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not good for you. I know. And it's funny because my friend Betsy talks about how it's really energizing for her. Like, she sits in the sun and she's almost like charging up and then she's like ready to go. And I'm like, that is not. Yeah. That is not me. Especially if you drink in the sun. Ooh, yeah, that's definitely not. I'm gonna help. <laughs> really, really doomed. Cool. What were you doing earlier today, or this morning? I guess. Yeah, I was kind of trying to organize some things. My brain is very much um, making, like, kind of checking off boxes right now because I am going on a big trip to Ireland Sad. next month, and I'm in. I kind of just sprung up is like oh that's two weeks away so yesterday I was running errands and then today I kind of woke up and was like okay what do I still need to like think through and you know beginning to think about like you know all the little details do I just get an uber to the airport or do I try to ask someone like do I get those pants that I can have like one pair to rule them all or do I just go you know all those little things I was kind of just sitting sitting with myself on that nice what are you going to be doing in Ireland playing music but in a very my my plan or my the idea is that I just really felt called to go back over there Mm. whatever that means um felt very drawn to go back over there I'd been there once before about five years ago and in the last couple of years I've been really fascinated and curious about like the Celtic culture and like that part of my ancestry and 
you know, mythology, like all these things just that seem to just converge right. in that part of the world. And so um, I reached out to a couple of people and one friend put me in touch with a friend of hers over there that's a musician. So I've got some things set up that are like, I'm going to go to a concert they're playing and then we're going to hop in the van the next day and go to this like festival that he's been going to since he was seven and it's a very traditional festival like you know the cranks and the like kiwi dances and stuff and so i'm trying to combine planting musical seeds in case i can like start going over there to play my own music yeah but also really just i really want to learn a lot about that culture and you know, I have so many fascinations with, with uh, that kind of branches out from that. But um, like the myths and stories and ancient stuffs that I could rail on about. But you gotta kiss the Blarney Stone. Yeah, right. Yes, bless the trip. Yeah, just trying to like. I've been very intrigued also by the fundamentals of life and like. Telling you that could be super long-winded about this, but I like event. I read this book on water, and it's so fascinating how much it's just a basic building block of life. It's like the most essential thing that we need, and we've totally disrespected it and like misunderstood how much not only we need it to just survive but if we like really understood how water works we could just like so many things could be solved like there's yeah i should stop talking not i shouldn't stop talking i just i know this is like a rabbit hole for me so i'm looking into the elements essentially like earth air fire water and like figuring out trying to like figure out what the the most simple building blocks of life really are and like how they can how we make life so hard sometimes and maybe if we fixed some of the most basic things about how we approach it the like the tree will branch more easily if that makes sense yeah you gotta go back yeah these fundamentals yeah it's like we try to fix all the stuff up here but then the root system is off right so i've been trying to do that and myriad ways in my life the last handful of years do some shadow work yeah went to peru did the whole ayahuasca thing oh wow yeah wow yeah that's awesome i'll have to ask you about that yeah make sure i remember that okay cool hey everyone welcome to national artist i'm jordan and today hannah delin is here welcome to my house thank you thanks for having me so where are you from I am from Florida originally. Oh, really? What, what part? Oh, are you recording? Yeah. Is this it? Oh. Okay, cool. <laughs> so sneaky. Um, I'm from Plant City, Florida, which is outside of Tampa. So like central, central Florida. Okay, cool. Yeah. Plant City, Florida. Winter strawberry capital of the world. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have two older brothers, Philip and Stephen. Oh, yeah. Are they also musical or artistic? They are. They didn't pursue it 
in a like a career path sort of way, but they're like they both have good voices and my brother is teaching himself piano right now and you know, my other brother played French horn in school, like the school band and Philip played guitar and it's kind of been sprinkled throughout but so there's a lot of like musical sensibility. Nice. We had a very musical family. Your parents were musical? No, actually, it, that my parents, my mom had a really sweet voice. She was a great singer and loved to dance, but kind of like in an informal way. But my, especially on my dad's side of the family, his grandparent, uh, his grandfather was a really awesome fiddle player. And we had, they had like this family band and everyone played an instrument and like, this was back in Alabama and apparently Hank Sr. was like in and out of their band, like just one of the boys wow. playing around and they would go up to Chicago and do the barn dances and stuff. And But my grandfather, my dad's dad, was the oldest of many children. So he was kind of like, he had a an ear problem, so he couldn't really hear music well enough and then ended up kind of having to take care of the family. So it didn't kind of skip you know, that generation, like he was more of the business building up right. in the restaurant and all that stuff. So what do your parents do? My dad, he's done so many things in his life. Um, so my, my grandparents had a, like built a restaurant out of a, like a, they started in a gas station. Yeah, with like a couple tables. They bought that couple tables and then it grew into a restaurant, grew into a catering company. And so then my dad and my brother grew up in that environment and then started their own restaurant called Buddy Freddy's. And that was a big part of my dad's life. But then he got, what's the word? Nominated? That's not quite. No, he got, I think it is nominated when something like, he got nominated to, to go into politics, essentially. Oh. That's not the word. I can't think of the word. But uh, so he kind of had this hairpin turn in his life. Because he's just a community builder. He would do, he was in the restaurant, but he would just do a bunch of things around the community because he just cares a lot about people. And so everyone was very encouraging of him running for, he, was, he ended up being in the House of Reps in the state legislature. So that was an interesting turn in his life. And then I think we were pretty young at that stage. And, um, and my mom was an ophthalmic nurse for, ooh, geez, 20 plus years. She just passed last year. Oh, so sorry. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's been a, been a rough, wild year. But, uh, yeah, she she was like, she supported him. They divorced when I was two, so there was that split. But, um, yeah, she was an ophthalmic nurse for 20 years and did other side jobs to kind of, like, keep things going. Cool. So what were you into as a little kid? Oh, well, I was into horses. Horses? Very much. <laughs> I basically popped out of the womb wanting to be a horse um and I was very fortunate I was able to have lessons when I was like six so I rode for I was in a, I was a proper equestrian for like 10 12 years 
and then I was a teenager and started doing other things. But um, I love to draw. I think my first loves were horses, drawing, and then I would always like sing and dance in my room. Oh, and writing. Writing was definitely like my mom apparently. I don't remember this per se, but she said she used to have to like tell me to go to sleep at 2 a.m. because I would just be up writing stories and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, like, what yeah. would you be writing? I, I really loved, like, well, I, I thought of myself as probably a little poet, but um, fantasy, very into, like, Lord of the Rings-esque oh, elves yeah. and, you know, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was huge into Lord of the Rings when I was a little kid. Really? Yeah, and Star Wars. Yeah. I never really got super into Star Wars until I was older, but it, man, they just take you over. I know. I love the, going into the world. Yeah, and exactly, yeah. Then when I go to nature, and there's like big boulders. I'm like, I'm in like Lord of the Rings. Me too. That's one of my... Oh, my orcs are coming. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I would do. Hi. <laughs> just like this imagination about it all. Um, there was this one park in particular my mom used to take us to, and they had the, these huge oak trees in Florida. I'm sure you've seen them. But the root systems would like, you know, like breach out of the ground and you could just like climb in them. And I don't know, I just always fancied myself an elf. Um, my best friend and I actually made our own costumes for the first Lord of the Rings film. Really? Yeah. Like when it was coming out? Yeah, like, like in to the go theater. to the theater? Yeah. What was that, like 2003? Jeez. Pro- pro- maybe like 2001 or two? I can't remember. But I was yeah. roughly 11 or something. Man, I remember watching the crap out of that movie. Over and over. I think the second one's my favorite, though. Yeah. Yeah. Twin Towers? Two Towers. Two Towers. Oh, yeah, Twin Towers. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. More recent right. memory. <laughs> Not 9-11. Not 9-11. Goodness. Cool. So what first got you into music? What first got Mariah Carey, probably. Mariah Carey? Yeah. I was obsessed with Mariah Carey. Um, yeah. I think... I don't know. It's hard to... It's hard to pinpoint that. It feels like it was kind of always... I remember just, like, singing in the car with my mom, driving around, like, Celine Dion and stuff, you know? And... It was not, it was, there wasn't, uh, I didn't have any, like, formal education. I took, like, some piano classes or lessons. My grandma was always like, you're going to wish you'd stuck with that. And she was right. Is right. (laughs) But, yeah, I think it was just always there. It was always an interest. I just didn't realize, um, like, hearing melodies and things in your head wasn't, Maybe not everyone did that, so it just, I don't know. Came naturally, or? Yeah, and I just, I I sang a couple years in high school, like in choir, but I'm trying to remember if there was a particular... Who were like your early, earliest influences? Ooh, other than Mariah Carey? Um... I went through interesting, like, a lot of phases. I grew up in a Christian home, so there was a lot of, 
you know, Steve and Curtis Chapman, and I also wasn't raised in the South, so there's a lot of, like, classic country, which I like the good stuff, like George Straits, and obviously Hank. My, oh, of course, I was like, I knew there was a big one. The Beatles, absolutely. My dad, thoroughly obsessed with the Beatles. He was like 12, this is what he says, that he was 12 when they kind of really surfaced in America, and he claims, which I believe, because I feel like it's Harry Potter for us, is the way he talks about the Beatles, is like, they were just that age group where it really hit them in the gut. Right. The Beatles did, and so I remember he had those like trunk CD players, you know, like you had the CD players in the trunk of your car and you loaded each one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had 10. He had a 10 CD load, whatever, 10 player, and it, they were all Beatles CDs, and he didn't take one of them out for like two years. So it was just on repeat. In <laughs> yeah. So I definitely, um, definitely got a lot of that, which I think, I think honestly my parents were my biggest because he used to sing in church. He would always sing harmonies in church, and at first I found it really embarrassing. I'm like, Dad, because he's just so unabashed about it, just sing it with the top of his lungs, and I'm like, huh. Are you drawing attention? And now I'm really glad because I love that about him. Um, he just doesn't care what people boisterous. think. Yeah, and just like loves music, like loves to sing. And I think now I say all that because now harmonizing is one of my favorite things ever to do. And I think he really kind of like instilled a lot of that originally in me. That's my theory, anyways. Nice. Yeah. So. You started out playing like lessons, and then did you play in school or in high school? Or I didn't pick up guitar really until I was out of school. I um, I sang in the choir in high school. I played handbells in church. Mm-hmm. Forgot about that. Um, a little bit of piano, but it wasn't until I. Um, well, and the whole, like, singing and dancing in my room thing was, like, I loved Green Day and the whole, like, oh, yeah. pop-punk punk, pop punk scene, yes. That really influenced me quite a bit, actually. And it wasn't until I, I moved to New Zealand when I was 18. I was there for a year and a half. And then I, you know, met my first love, all that stuff, and I came back really brokenhearted, and I had written this poem when I was... 12 and my dad got to this point where he's like Hannah just take that poem to Margaret who was our piano teacher like when we were really little and I was like fine and um because he's just trying to get me like out of myself you know out of my head and cheer me up mm-hmm. and um her I showed it to her and and she was like you need to meet my son Robert and Robert was a really amazing guitar player so there was this chunk of time for like three weeks the two of us got together and I would come in with like harm, like melodies and lyrics and he would put the, the music to it and we wrote like 20 songs in like three weeks and that was me going oh like, whoa I could do this and I didn't realize this was a thing you know that was right after high school yeah I was like 19 I think 
So yeah. what were you doing in New Zealand? Just traveling or? All the things. New Zealand. Um, Did you go to all the Lord of the Rings places? Some of them. I didn't go to Hobbiton, which I still want to do that. <laughs> Did you see Mount Doom? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Honestly, I uh, I got pretty sucked into the life that I had there, which was great. Um, I wanted to go down. And I'm gonna blank on all the names now. What's the where um, Gondor? You know, like the the wooded scenes outside of Gondor, where they meet the not the orcs but the Urukai or the wooded scene. Like where. Uh, Oh, what's Sean Bean's character's name? Oh, uh, uh, Boromir. Boromir, yeah, so I was like, not Valdor, so that's in an Valdor. So in the first one. Yeah. yeah. There was, there's an area down in a place called Queenstown in New Zealand where they actually have the, like, Lord of the Rings equestrian tours, and I always, like, wanted to do that. I don't know why I didn't, I but I didn't. That was kind of a dream. I'll go back. Ride a horse through the area. Yeah, like kind of actually. As if you could dress up. Yeah. A sword. Like actually in the movie. Totally. Well, pay us a little bit more and we'll have some people chase you. (laughs) (laughs) One time, I have a friend here who's from New Zealand and she was a makeup artist. She is, well, I guess she doesn't do it anymore, but she's a makeup artist for like, for The Hobbit, for um, Tariel on The Hobbit. And. I, one day I was like, can you turn me into an elf? So she actually, like, we bought elf ears, and it, I mean, I'm obsessed. Wow. It was awesome. You had to go in the woods, <sighs> right? Yeah. Get, to get the pictures? Totally. Yeah. We, uh, yes, we did, actually. Jeez, all these, these questions are bringing up so many memories. I actually did get, we did go out in the woods, and my friend David took photos. Yeah. So... That was a trip that my so my childhood best friend was two years older than me, and going into my senior year of high school, I played soccer, and she and her, long story short, she met a Kiwi at camp, and that's how she ended up going over there, a New Zealander, and um, they were visiting, and they're like, hey, you should come to New Zealand with us, and I was like, uh, yeah. And so I quit varsity soccer my senior year, which they hated me. <laughs> and I got a job at Outback and saved up and went over there. And I did, I mean, I stayed, Kay was my friend. I think I stayed with them for a little bit of time, but then she had, she hooked me up with this group of friends of hers that were all outdoor instructors. And so I lived in this tiny little town called Hanmer and I, it was the most amazing, like, special thing. I got to go, I got to go rock climbing, I got to go whitewater rafting, I got to go canyoning, like, biking, all the stuff, like, tramping, which is what they called backpacking, with these, like, professionals, essentially. Like, they were studying this and doing it as their careers, and it was a dream. It's really, really special. I feel very, very lucky. Um, to have done that so that was kind of it it was like I just had I think I went over with like 800 bucks got you a few, for a year? I got well I got a few jobs oh okay <laughs> I got a few jobs and then because it was a working holiday visa and um, saved up for like a month or two and then I, sh- I was like okay I'm not going to be able to do anything but work if I have three jobs so I 
got one and then was able to kind of go and do some adventures and yeah it was awesome it was a really beautiful period wow. yeah do you know why they call them kiwis their national bird is a kiwi bird uh, yeah i always wondered that i was like why do they call them kiwis yeah it's a, a ground dwelling nocturnal bird so if you go to new zealand and you say a kiwi they're gonna think of the bird, so they call like what we think of as typically the fruit. Right. That you they call them kiwi fruits. So. They call them kiwi fruits. Yeah. Not kiwis. Right. Uh, I see. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. It's like when you're in Brazil, they don't call them Brazil nuts; they call them nuts. Pro- yeah. <laughs> Have you been to Brazil? No, I just know that. Yeah, yeah, like. that makes sense. Okay, cool. Why would you say, or why are you drawn to music? It feels yeah it just feels like the most fundamental like I don't know uh, why not I mean it's amazing it's uh, something that I think it feels like a like a flowing of water you know like it feels like something that's just natural and comes in and needs to be expressed and is the most beautiful like building block of life like we were talking about it's just like you know i think it if we weren't able to speak we'd still have like if we didn't have a language we'd still be able to like make these sounds and like birds you know birds have their own language but it's music or it's everything has its like outside of, what am I trying to say? It's communication. Yeah, it's communication on a different level, and and it, I think it can sometimes reach more deeply into our souls and our psyches because words, while they are beautiful, and I mean I love words, lyrics. I'm a very lyric-driven person, but they're still a little limiting because once you put a word on something, you're framing it, you're shaping it for someone you're saying this is what I see and this is what I'm expressing but when you have which is the beauty of being an artist you know you're getting to communicate your truth view perspective fill in the blank but outside of that like music itself just seems like the most basic wonderful thing that's around us all the time right okay cool that was good yeah how do you develop your musical skills now? Do you practice or work? Yeah, that's something I'm learning more and more to be disciplined about. I tried running for music for a little bit actually, because I think there were certain aspects of it that I tried talking myself out of doing it, and it just kind of wouldn't. It was like a little, it just felt like it was kind of haunting me a little bit. like. When, uh, when was that? In my tw- all, all throughout my 20s, I think I got a little too in my head about how you do it, like how you make a living, and it got really convoluted in my mind, and I think it was a self-confidence issue because I didn't grow up playing an instrument. I felt, I felt behind all the time. I wasn't really giving like my voice the credit or that I'd think those things that come naturally to us sometimes like that we maybe do for me anyways 
it was like the things that I loved most to do when you're born with a gift, any gift, whether it's like you love math and that comes easily to you. So it's like, it's strange to think of it as, um, you think you then have to teach yourself something else to be like accomplished is the way I was viewing it. And so instead of just singing or just continuing to play with words and just doing the things that I loved, I felt like I had to like, I have to be Jimi Hendrix before I can like put out an album, you know, like I have to be an excellent instrumentalist and I would just keep creating little obstacles for myself. Resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Giving yourself an out. Yes. Yeah. And then you throw in the music business of like turning your art into a form of income and a product. Yeah. And people have endless opinions about how to do that. And I just found it really overwhelming and distracting from the point and but ultimately I realized it was an excuse because when you I mean I think anything people create in life is obviously an expression of themselves that risks rejection but with like art and the stuff you're like digging into your soul for at least that that was my approach you know I would write about my heartbreak and all that stuff that's hard to put out there especially the more close it is to your heart the harder it is to expose yeah and I think also it for me it was expectation because I remember when I like I wrote those songs in the beginning didn't really think about it at all I was having the time of my life it was so fun to me but then as soon as like oh well you could do this and you could do that and you could be the next whatever it like freaked me out uh, and and so that that was more the feeling that I think I probably ran from and then it just piled on you know I just kept pushing away so I forget your original question sorry original question was how do you develop your musical skills <laughs> now I realize it's very much like I think I had to come full circle to realizing it's a it's a craft and it like anything needs time and love and attention and is worth like learning a language I think what really taught me that was working I worked as a cobbler for about a year and realized that like crafts are tough but you have to learn you have to learn all the basic elements so you're eventually going to you know, hurt yourself or run into a wall or just not understand how this thing works and it's going to be a, it's going to block you somehow. And so I've more recently tried to go back and like learn the fundamentals. Not because I think that people need to do that, um, that it's, in fact, I had one of the reasons I didn't learn it earlier was because some of the, my, most respected music friends really it was just like one or two people were like don't learn scales that'll just get in your head and and like mess up what you want to create and I was like oh okay well I really like your music so cool I'll, I'll listen to you I think coming from someone who knew all of that stuff that was easy for them to say but so now I'm trying to um implement like learning this language like view, viewing it as learning a language and having respect for the craft and so like dedicating time even if it's just a little bit every day but finding out what it is that I think it's all very personal people might disagree with me on that I might be like you need to sit down at 10 a.m. every day or 4 p.m. every day or whatever 
time of day inspires you most. I think that's different for people too. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. It's like if you... It's depending on, like, it's like, what am I supposed to be motivated for, you know? Yeah. Varies. Yeah. I think it's finding the thing that inspires you. What makes you want to sit down. And if and it's it's always... For me, it was tough to figure out that I conflated, like, not wanting to make myself sit down with feeling like that meant I didn't want to make music, but I was really just afraid that if I sat down, nothing would come out, so I would make excuses. But now, I've I've realized that any time I pick up the guitar and I just start playing and let things flow, I get lost in it. You know, I get, like, swept up, and it's the most fun thing in the world, so it's, like, bypassing the fear of sitting down that's probably the biggest thing right i can just, just sit down started. and do it yeah again even if it ends up only being 10 minutes or 30 minutes but it's like any relationship you got to put time and effort into it or it's not going to grow right you get in you get out what you put in right so you've been learning your scales and everything now yeah that's yeah good. it is it's like do you read music usually I mean, if I sat, like, I understand how it's laid out, but I'm not, I'm not quite where to where, like, if someone put a sheet of music in front of me and then pressed, like, whatever tempo, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, hold on, and I'm just, um, doing every boy does fine, still no. <laughs> right, oh yeah, I know, I feel that. Yeah, but that's a goal, that's where I want to get to. Learning how to read music better. Yeah, just for the sake of being able to communicate, you know. Right. That's what I always wanted to be able to make sure I could communicate with the bassist and the guitarist or yeah. piano player as the drummer, you know. Sometimes it's hard to express what you want them to do with their melodic instrument when you're so You're like the backbone. Yeah. When you're on the bass, you're like yeah. You gotta keep it on. Exactly. So I'm like, how do I say this so they'll understand? <laughs> so what are some of your favorite bands and artists of all time? Hmm. Feist is one for sure. She's been hugely inspirational to me. I, I don't know how in-depth you want me to go on why, but um, I can also just list them. I really love this guy, an Australian artist I've been following since like, I think I found a YouTube video video of him in 2012. His name's Matt Corby. And following his career has been really cool over the years. More recently, I've become a big Blake Mills fan. Blake Mills? Mm -hmm. He's just, well, my old roommate, Grant, is one of the best guitarists I've ever known. And just like, he's just like imbibed his instrument. He like knows it so thoroughly. And he told me, like the way I found out about Blake Mills is essentially him telling me that he thought he was the greatest living guitarist. And I was like, oh, okay, well, if you say so. And then I started listening to his music and I was really into it. I know there are other people. What kind of music is Blake Mills? Man. This is my like least favorite question. It's like putting genres on people. Is it rock? Is it folk? Yes, yes. It's like everything. He's just one of those people that... It's like jazz, it's like rock, it's like folk. 
Yeah, he like no doesn't. No rap, no hip hop. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No rap, no hip hop. I mean, his stuff is very. No electronic. No. No. Yeah, it's more in the rock, jazz, folk, songwriter. Americana. Not Americana. I mean, what is Americana? That's it's such a broad thing at this point. Yeah, it is. It's hard to put your finger on it, but I like know it when I see it kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. It's not Americana is not country, but it's not like rock either. It's like. No. That's I think that's the thing though. Is there's like there's like roots, there's like roots music and and folk music and like. I don't know. That's what I think of is like kind of originally maybe mm, I just think it's too broad these days. So many things can be folded. Not too broad as in it's wrong, it's just like so many things can be folded into that category. Really. Right. In my opinion. Well at this point in day and age we're at subgenres of subgenres of subgenres. I mean it's getting the spider web is so huge now. Yeah compared to like 50 years ago yeah and so then you have a guy like blake mills who he's like has this interesting kind of twang to me but he is from malibu but there's just this way he sings that i I don't know it's he's he's especially hard to put in a box for me there's also this woman jessica hoop that i like a lot J E S C A. He actually did a play guitar. Hoop. Hoop, yeah, H O. Wow, that's a really interesting Jessica. Yeah. I like that. I've never heard that before. Neither have I. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm endlessly, primarily, I feel like I'm endlessly inspired by uh, my friends right now. Like I just feel like I'm surrounded by so many talented artists which is you know why friends of mine came into being yeah it's just like we have such a beautiful community that yeah we want to lift up and they they talk like real everyday inspiration that's i feel constantly like challenged and in a healthy way by them and their music and their approach like how they work so hard you know how did so how did my uh friends of mine come about (laughs) it was caroline and i were talking and we had just recently become we just recently met kind of and i think over the not recently met but we met and like over the next year we became super close and one day we were sitting in the coffee shop and we were just brainstorming and I, i had noticed that like Anytime I would mention someone in town, I was like, have you heard of so-and-so? She'd, she'd say, oh, no. Which would surprise me because Caroline's Caroline. I, feel, I, right. I felt like she knew everybody. And I was starting to realize that Cold Lunch and everything she does was still like a particular side of the music industry. And like I had worked in Five Points for three or four years at that point. And so... I was meeting a different kind of subset of the Nashville scene, and so I was like, we just, where these people need to know each other. You know, it's funny that you live in Music City, and you can still just, like, have these pockets that don't really understand how, like, if it's just one person, 
that could connect, connect them, all. them all, you know, and so that's what we, we just wanted to be, like, a connection point, like, cross-pollinate a little bit, and um, I was like, we should call it friends of mine, because that seems, the, like, the most basic, because we'd be like, no, they're a friend of mine, you know. Right. Um, How do you know this person, friend of mine? Yeah, 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 so that's really... How many episodes have y'all done? Oof, I've been meaning to count this out. We've had... Do you record every one of them? Are you talking about the... Friends of mine? The live shows? Oh, it's a live show? So. Yeah, so it originally started as a live show in 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, You've been yeah. doing it for four years now? Yeah. I mean, obviously mine is COVID, but it, that's how it started. It was live. It was also an opportunity for me because I realized that I wanted to play more. And it was funny, my aunt, this is like the real backstory when I would go home, I don't go home and visit my family in Florida nearly as much as I could. And I remember one time, every time I would go home, I would dart around seeing everybody and just exhaust myself. And she was like, Hannah, you just need to have a party and invite everyone to come see you. And I'd be like, but no, that's, you know, but then it won't be like one on one. And, but I, I thought about it and I was like, no, I should. I should just create a show where I can play and then we can invite everyone and like have everyone meet each other and like I get to meet these people more, you know, it's yeah. like a perfect scenario. So that was kind of how it originally started was like wanting to get push myself to do something that was very intimidating to me at the time, like getting up and talking and and like putting myself out there when I, you know, did not you know I didn't feel like a virtuoso or anything like it didn't feel comfortable at all to me but Caroline was very supportive and I was the fact that she like worked at Vinyl Tap at the time it was just this perfect storm and or perfect whatever it was just like I really appreciate that she encouraged me to challenge myself in that way and I think at the time I was like yeah that's what I need and so yeah we did it and it was a beautiful combination of like our strengths, I think. So it started that way. It started as a live show. We invited friends to play. And then when we, when like right before COVID, we had two radio shows, I think. Acme reached out about that. And then, then COVID hit. So it took a minute before the, obviously the, that was a storm <laughs> calmed down a little bit. So last year I think October was when it was really nice it was nice to have that because we couldn't do live shows at the time so it was really cool to be able to put that energy into um something that was more inclusive of other types of artists too like we've had people that are cinematographers on and you know my my older mate Grant who just opened up a shoe shop so like yeah like makers you know I think we've had about 12 to 15 now so it's Episodes? still pretty fresh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And did you all record them all, or like, are they? Can you listen to them back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How um, do you find them, or where are they? Yeah, they're. You can either find them through my website. Uh, currently, this is all the details we're getting sorted out. So it's all listed on my website that funnels you to Acme streaming because it's a streaming online thing, or you could just go directly to Acme and look up the archive. But. Oh. I just find that's a little direct link I have set up straight to the page. Nice. Yeah. So there's a... That's cool. The growing archive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what kind of musician, 
Taurus, would you say you are? One who tries to let come out whatever needs to come out to, to be a channel of sorts, I guess. I mean, if you want, I often push against boxes. So, I mean, if you, like an indie folk, probably. But I just try to put in, put to put down what I'm hearing. And if that comes out sounding kind of pop, cool. A lot of my early, the, those early batches, that early batch of songs I wrote was like very poppy and like a folk pop kind of thing. Right. And... And then it's like some things kind of come out a little country and singer-songwritery, but I think the more I've, I think it's coming into like an indie folk. The reason I love Feist so much is because I feel like she expresses in a very honest, connected way that doesn't, that isn't trying to fit into a formula. It feels very much like, oh, I was thinking about a. <laughs> I was trying to think of what is a flock of starlings called the like murmuration. I just feel like her music can be like I was thinking about a murmuration, and so this melody came out, and it's there's no format necessarily, and yet she crafts these beautiful songs. What is a murmuration? Oh, uh, it's you know those big, essentially like clouds of birds that move, they, like look like oh, they're like yeah, dancing, but they're like one unit, right. you know. Or like schools of fish, and you see yeah. how they just move together in such a way. That's called murmuration. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that's she's influenced me a lot in that way, and because I'm still learning how to get the sounds out of my head and into my hands, and which I feel like I'm coming a long way with. I still feel very much like I'm developing into the artist that. Well. I don't know, there's not really a timeline, is there? It's not really, like, it's just what I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know if that answered your question, but... Yeah, yeah. I was, when I was listening to your music earlier, I was definitely getting Joni Mitchell vibes. Mm. I was like, this really reminds me of Joni Mitchell. Oh, that's it. I think she has a great voice. Yeah. Thank you. Really cool. That's it. Take that, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, where do you find inspiration now? Hmm. I think now and always I find a lot of inspiration in nature. Yeah. What aspects of nature? I don't know. It's just, it's all of it. It's like the wind, you know, water, birds, trees rustling. Like there's just so many things. Yeah. Yeah. Everything all the time. And it's it the way it can shift your mood in a moment. You know, like the way the sunlight hits in a certain way and all of a sudden you're like dreamy and nostalgic or whatever, or, you know, the wind whips your hair in a certain way and it's like blustery and you're like, you feel, I don't know, not necessarily anger, but you can feel like this power and this kind of like controlled chaos, like you're being swept away. I don't know. I just think that I think it's constantly speaking and there's something so beautiful about the the presence of nature it's like it's like whatever it's feeling whatever it's communicating in that moment and that's more what i'm trying to so it's like the literal sounds and stuff but it's also just the way i'm trying to be as a as a writer it's like 
being willing to be present enough with myself that I can dig into whatever it is I'm feeling in a moment and actually express it as opposed to pushing it down or being like, oh, I'm not going to be able to say that well enough, so I'll go make another, you know, cup of coffee or whatever. (laughs) Or I'll go, you know, distract myself in some way than when I really just wish I would have sat down and felt it, you know. So that's kind of where I would, and whatever that ends up sounding like, you know, I'm currently in this studio actually, and it's, it's like, I'm so excited about this music. And I think so much of it also has to do with, I'm recording with Will Honecker and Ross McReynolds at um, Camp Senia is what it's called. They partner with, they have a studio with Anthony DaCosta, so it's like the three of them and- Camp what is it? Camp Senia. How do you spell S-E-N-I-A. And they're just like, they're some, they're just incredible. They're incredible musicians and they've, they're wonderful people and they're good friends. And like, I feel that's also what music is becoming more and more about for me. I feel like it always has been and it essentially just is always it's about the community and the people but like being in a room with those two like feeling so effortlessly aligned and then having them be so good at what they do it's just like helped create something that I wouldn't have created by myself and I love that you know yeah. it's like they somehow got into my psyche and was like okay, this is what we're working with. And, you know, I don't know. It's just been really a beautiful experience. And I'm stoked. Awesome. Yeah. Where is Camp Senior? It is, it's in East Nashville. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like one of those cool tucked away. Looks like a house. Backyard, yeah, studios. Nice. Yeah, it's a really cool spot. Is it like open to the public? Like, can you get a Oh, like, can you book? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and I think it's just like someone's home studio or it's very private no yeah they're they've just in the last year put it together so they're very fresh to the um not to the scene because they've been playing for many many years and doing this for many years but as far as like having a place for themselves to like work together and do things um so it's a really exciting time but yeah they're definitely open for cool you can i mean i'm sure you'll get this info but um campy songs as they are how you can find them and like reach out to them okay cool yeah going back to you said you went to peru and, and you did a ayahuasca mm-hmm. what was how long were you in peru why did you go down there hmm. it was a brief trip i was only there for all up maybe 12 days i went down there because i was having a very difficult time in my internal life very anxious very like just knotted up um i felt like i was having i wasn't able to push past certain issues as i was just kind of desperate honestly and i didn't know anything about ayahuasca and i listened to this tim ferris episode our interview with um dr gabor mate I've been following Tim Ferriss for many years, but I think that interview was a, a an important turning point in even, like, the type of people that he started having on to his podcast, or, like, opening up. He, like, you know, it was very, I don't know if you, like, 
business and oh yeah well, yeah yeah I've tried to have mentors in there he's amazing i've read the four hour work week yeah i've listened to him fair show yeah yeah i'm glad he's around yeah my dad gave me the four hour work week me and my brothers when we were like 15 which i'm glad he did that but uh music um <laughs> so anyways uh, i listened to this interview and at the very end of it it was a stellar interview it was like jam-packed of little just like mind-blowing moments and wisdom but he said something he mentioned ayahuasca and i was like what is that and if i were to do that like i'd want to go to like i trust this guy because he was talking about like places so long story short i got curious and i it was like this series of serendipitous events because i like googled him and then that led me to this other thing and that led me to this, and then i kept seeing him like oh there's him oh whoa okay it all just was like sort of intentional but also felt like something was like go this direction because at one point i just like i basically dropped to my knees and was like i feel like i have this vault inside of me that is causing so much of this turmoil Turmoil. and I just like I just don't have the key and I was like can whatever is out there just help me find this key and then I listened I found that podcast and then it was like ultimately um it felt like within a few days I was I found this place in Peru it felt so right it was very like I had to do a medical questionnaire a psychological questionnaire it was like very professional and it was essentially an intensive healing retreat so it was it was a lot it was like five ceremonies in seven days and if you're not familiar with ayahuasca it is it's intense to say the least and it's a purgative which means everything everything's coming out (laughs) whichever way it needs to come out it's coming out and it's like a it's a real detox spiritually and otherwise and um but yeah it was like to do that to go so intensely into that is just like an illustration of how much I was like I need to figure this out and I was well I was like ready to go extreme how or how old were you when you did this that was in 2018 yeah so it was it wasn't too long ago I must have been I was like I was going through my Saturn return 28 29 Nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I've done DMT, but I've not done ayahuasca. It's... Basically the 15-minute version. Right, yeah. I had a friend who... And it was... What was your experience with it? It was... It was very humbling. I think going into it with the... And I can say this post-facto more than anything, like going into it recognizing that like if I were to talk to someone that was like I'm gonna go do ayahuasca I'd be like just know that you're going into like this other entity's world like these things are alive you know like they are their own beings and and intelligence so there isn't like you're communing with something else Um, it's not just like a trip you're inviting an experience with something that is like as you know, it's ancient, it's, you know, it has its own consciousness. And it, and it takes you out of reality completely. Yeah, yeah. And you do mushrooms and acid, and you're like, oh, it's a table, I can see a table when you're on, 
when you're on DMT or ayahuasca, you're in another world. Yeah. Everything's a different world. Yeah. Even if it's just like that, I the I had mul- because I had this like so back to back. I had one that was a very visionary experience that was like, whoa. I needed to see that. I needed to see like what was going on, not only in my my psyche, but um, how it kind of connected with other things. But I also had somewhere it was very quiet, as far as like I didn't blast off anywhere. But I, it was a very somatic experience. So like, you know, have you ever heard of the book Your Body Keeps the Score? Mm-hmm. It's becoming very. I guess well known in these circles, but it's essentially how your body remembers everything. And this is at what we were talking about with water. This is where something like the water is so important because the re- the actual memory, as far as I understand it, is held within the water of our cells because water has memory, and that's proven. That's like water has memory. Water has memory. That's why like there's this. I wish I remember the name of the study, but there's this. I believe a Japanese scientist who documented this with photos but you he basically took photos of the crystalline structure of water whenever it was like and they took very great care to make sure there was no outside influence in these things but like they would um, I think hold or imbue like joy like just joy into water and the structure would form in a certain way and they took a photo then there would be like anger or deceit or whatever else and it would and and these like things like love and joy were all like beautiful and geometrically proportionate and gorgeous and then all the like essentially the negative energy or I don't know if negative is the right word but these kind of more chaotic energies were all like they looked chaotic and distorted and stuff yeah and that's why our emotions have so much like power in our lives if you think about how like, would they imbue love or whatever into the water? It's, that, I'd have to go I back and... I love you. I love you. Well, yeah, it's like, it's getting yourself, for one. And it, he pit, he was like, hit a very particular team. So I can't speak to it because I don't remember all the details. But I know that it was like, you had to kind of get yourself in these states. Or maybe they had... Yeah, I really need to go back and like remember how they did this. But... It was, I okay, so I've heard other methods of really, like, if you get yourself into this really peaceful, calm state, which is, you know, feet sometimes, and you just, like, hold and contact the water, and, like, even if you just say the word love, like, if you do that, like, try that in your own time, if you do that for a couple of minutes, like, you change. You can't not be changed by that if you're genuinely trying to feel that. And so, in the way that works again is like I've come to understand it is that you know they say we're 70% water we're actually like 99.5% water molecularly speaking so all of that water in our bodies has memory and so even though we can block out like you know if you have traumatic experiences significant or or like or what I mean it's all significant but your body remembers all of that even if you can block it out of your memory and so when I say I had like a somatic trying to full circle back to when I say I had a somatic experience like there was this one ceremony where I just like shook 
for hours and it was literally my body just like shaking stuff out which is what dogs do it's what animals that are more in touch with their bodies do to like kind of neutralize and equalize themselves you know like if you see a dog that gets in a fight with another dog and then it like shakes itself off that's literally like a somatic response to try to like shake out that bad experience so it's not staying in them did you drink the ayahuasca each day of the i mean for all five days of the ceremony or so it'd be like back to back to back I think we had one day in between. So it was spread out, or maybe it was like... But you're tripping like 12 hours a day, right? Yeah, like eight. It depends. Sometimes it would be a shorter one and maybe like six to nine hours. But sometimes they were, yeah, it could be up to... It was and No, it was more than six hours. It was usually like eight, eight to ten is to twelve. Like a, is there like a free roaming space? Like, all right, now you drink your stuff, go out over there. And, it, or is there someone like watching you like... Yeah, it was very, that's another big aspect of this is like, it's where some of these things can get a bad vibe or a bad rap, I should say. The most important thing you can do, I think, is make sure you have a guide that you trust if you're ever going to do this kind of thing, because they are a huge part of your experience. And when not, it's, it's understandable that sometimes, you know, you have like people traveling down to a a country that's maybe struggling or a family that's maybe struggling and they think, oh, I'm just going to, I was going to take this guy's money and like not really help them and leave. And they have these, you hear people with horrible stories that they've, they don't understand what they're getting into. And yes, unfortunately, some people get taken advantage of, but for the most part, it's just like a different culture that they don't totally understand. And so when you you got to make sure you have someone you trust and also someone that really wants to help you on that journey because you might have a, a local guide or someone who views it differently and is just like, okay, I'm just going to let you be. And when you don't know much about it, just letting you be is can be good, but it also can be like, what the fuck? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah, like I'm freaking out. So this place was like I had two main facilitators and then they had two extra facilitators so it was like during the actual ceremony the entire group it was like 20 20 people were in this um was in this like maloka so we laid down we had the ceremony we'd do like an hour of optional yin yoga beforehand to get in the zone basically it was very supportive and very safe hmm. and you could technically get up and walk around and like, cause it was, it was in the jungle, like it was in the Amazon, but it was like in a protect, like it was in a safe space. So if you got up and walked around, it was fine. You maybe need to go back to your hut and sleep it off or whatever. But typically everyone stayed cause you're just kind of like in it, you know? And when you start perjuring or whatever, do they just like, all right, take this person to the bathroom now? Oh, you just had to go. Like it, it was right next to the place. So, and it was all like, oh God, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But if you needed help, you could ask for help for sure. But, like, I never had someone escort me. I was just like, because it comes on fast. Right. <laughs> like, essentially, you're like trying to run as fast as you can. Wow. Yeah. Okay. How long have you been in Nashville now? Eight and a half years. Eight and a half years. Mm-hmm. What originally brought you here? The desire to be a musician, to kind of like 
it's funny I think I've said this many times throughout the years but it's just like different layers of taking it more seriously I'm air quoting (laughs) and my dad though so my dad came up in 2013 because he was having an interesting like time in his own life and he decided he really wanted to to dive into more of that musical part of our family history and he moved up here for a period of time and at one point he was like I was actually living in Australia and he kept calling me and being like I just met so and so my dad's the most like gregarious naturally like he just connects with everybody I don't he has a gift I don't know and eventually I was like okay okay I'm I was kind of pissed honestly because I was like I can't enjoy being in Australia if you keep telling me that I was blaming him for but no, so I came in December of 2013 and um, he ended up moving, he had some health issues and, and ended up moving back down to Florida in I think 2014. So he kind of lured me here and then I got here and um, obviously wanted to, it was a big step for being like, okay, I've, I'm trying to, I've been doing my travel thing and living the life but at this point I'm like I need to start thinking about what I'm gonna do and I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt I'll just say what were you doing in Australia oh I met a boy actually living in British Columbia Uh, he's an Aussie we dated for two years lived in British Columbia for two years and then our visa situations like we couldn't the state's super hard to get into and I was like, I went to Australia. So we went to Australia and kind of the same thing. I lived and, and worked and I was like a handyman's assistant for a little while. And and I was basically just like, same thing, like in, in love and this relationship and having experiences and just living life. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. I think we ended up being together for like four years and then it just we tried to do long distance when I moved to Nashville and it you know wow that's tough right that's tough mm-hmm. and what were you doing in British Columbia oh Jordan <laughs> I just is that, is that a really I just story? love no 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 I just love adventure and travel and <laughs> having experiences so it's kind of the same thing actually the same friend I, um, my childhood friend, she and her same partner, she's not, she's no longer with this Kiwi guy, but, um, this, at the time she was, and she's like, Hey, we're going to British Columbia. And I was like, sign me up. So we went out there together, lived with her for like a week. And then we kind of went our separate ways again, but, um, which is hilarious. It continued like did that, both we did that both times, but I just, I was like, yeah, I want to go learn how to snowboard and I like loved water skiing but I'd never done the the snow like living in that culture I mean I guess I did in New Zealand but I like I had to keep up with the boys at that point which was scary for a second for skiing or snowboarding snowboarding, yeah how how are you at snowboarding now oh now I mean I haven't done it in many years but I got good because I like had to keep up yeah because they would just they would just go, and I mean... See you at the bottom. Yeah, I would be like, okay, I guess I'm straight-lining this thing that's terrifying. Bend my knees, <laughs> like, just go. 
Of course, there were some runs I didn't do, but, you know, I wanted to be... I was competitive. I wanted to be, like... Good hang. Yeah. It yeah. was fun. I learned fast. Wow. I learned really fast. It was fun. Do you know how to ski, too, or just mm. snowboard? Minimally. Yeah. Minimally. I actually kind of would love to learn how to ski again, because I did, I did water skiing. Oh. So I wonder if I would be good at it. Yeah. And I like the idea of, like... Yeah. Just I love skiing. Forward facing. <laughs> Do you ski? Yeah, ski. Uh, I love skiing. Where are you from? I'm from Lookout Mountain, Georgia. Okay. Did you like go up to North Carolina and stuff? No, I'd go out west oh, to like smart. Jackson Hole oh. or like Steamboat or yeah. Kirkwood in California okay. or Idaho, Grand Targee. Ooh. Oh, so you're very yeah. familiar. I've every time I've gone skiing, it's been in a different place. Yeah. So. I've heard many good things about Jackson Hole. Oh, God. I learned how to ski there, and it was crazy. That's like an inner, isn't it? It's like at least an intermediate mountain. It's the most steep mountain in America to ski. Wow. It's the steepest mountain. Okay, so you've got some stories, too. Yeah. (laughs) Was it your family? Did you go with your family? No, I went with a high school friend and his family, and, yeah, we went out there, and I learned, like, with an instructor, and then by day two or three, my friends were like, geez, Jordan, you're getting pretty good. Why don't you come with us? And little did I know what I was getting myself into, where I'd go up the mountain and, like, we'd get off one lift and get on another one and we'd keep going. I'm like, geez, guys, we're going really high. <laughs> and, uh, How are we getting down? <laughs> I started seeing signs, like, danger, double black diamond cliff. I'm like, oh, my God, dude. And basically uh, fell my way down. Yeah. And was pissed at him. Are you but trying to kill me? I was like, you son of a <laughs> bastards. This isn't funny. Like, Dear God, protect me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> He's like, oh, good luck, son. That was right. good. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Going back to Nashville, what have you learned living here? Ah, so many things. I've learned... I've learned, and this is a more recent, I've learned how to ask for help. And I've learned to rein in my own ego that wants to be, just being real vulnerable here, that wants to be original and awesome and all these things and realize that that's like, I've just wanted it to be, I wrote that song, I did that, I had that cool idea. You know, all that stuff, but it's like, that's not... I want to be in control. I want to be like... Yeah, I want to build it. I want to create it. I want my name on it. Yeah, and not, like, in a... I mean, yes, definitely. I won't shy away from that, but not in such a way that's like... It wasn't very conscious. It was just like, I think I wanted to be able to hold my own in this town of really talented people. And I thought I had to do it all by myself to, like, prove myself, you know, Um, to be worthy of any kind of, like, oh, you're all right, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, whoo, made it. But it was really just, like, wanting to to be the way that I admired my peers. I wanted to be that, you know, and then I just... It just really hit me upside the head that that's just not the way things work. And that's come from, you know, friendships that I've had, honest conversations, butting up against it, just being like, 
I can't do everything myself. Um, And like allowing other people that have a different talent or gift or more experience to just like, to be open to feeling like just because someone helps you doesn't mean you didn't do it or not do it and like put your name on it, but doesn't mean you didn't work for it. Right. You know, that I think there's this thing of like, yeah, I didn't want it to seem like I didn't work for things and it's, it's, that's the whole other talk about like ayahuasca and digging into shadow stuff. It's like, we have this, I've had this idea that the struggle is what makes you you kind of self-sabotage yeah to feel like i've had my blood blood sweat and tears yeah i've gone through the ditches yeah and that's that's can be very important sure it teaches it teaches taught me a lot experience is a beautiful teacher but it's also like getting to a place of being like there isn't it's a beautiful thing to invite other people and allow people to help you and it doesn't have to be hard like doesn't have to be so hard yeah in fact it's way more fun and it's okay and you learn stuff like you learn things that make your craft better instead of thinking you're gonna have all the stuff and you become better faster because someone else can be like no do it this way i already know i've done this before and they're like all right you do that i'll spend my time on this yeah and then you get then usually the tower gets built yeah actually (laughs) So that's been a that's been one of the biggest things and also just allowing for time not allowing for things to unfold but I, I do think putting oneself out there like in a there's a way of being hmm, this is just another shade of the, I think everything is so communal but there's a way of like expressing what you need to express or putting yourself out there and like being like on your own team like believing in yourself in a way that you can do that in a way that's also building other people up and yeah just giving seeds planted the time to grow as well patience yeah patience that's the word i'm looking for room wasn't built in a day yeah and also like i feel like the more the longer you're in a town like this the more you realize and you have respect and admiration for the things people have built. Exactly. Because you're like, oh. <laughs> that, took, that was not, that overnight success was like a seven to ten year endeavor. Yeah, yeah, and there were times when they probably felt nope. just as small. Yeah, or people were doubting them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So then, I don't know, it's weird. It's almost like it, it does feel like a like a flower or something growing. There's so much happening right. underground. And then as soon as you kind of start realizing how things actually work, it's like, ooh, okay, it just like unfolds. Right. I don't know. And then you just got to keep going, going, keep going. Yeah, and then you realize. Build more flowers. Die, and you got to plant more seeds, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what is some advice you'd give to someone who's going to move to Nashville and do art? art meaning anything Hmm. I would say everything I just did about like understanding that so much of this is a community effort not in like a how can I ultimately you know weasel like not in a self-serving way but just like what can you give and how can you feed into your community because then it will it will give back to you 
you know, tenfold. It's just find people that are like-minded, that believe in you. And if that takes some time, like if you're brand new and you have no, which it does, it does take time for sure. But figuring out ways of, of balancing your, how do I say this? I think it's really important to find practices that keep yourself centered as a human being and then practices that keep your craft centered. Know, not necessarily know what you want because that can limit, I mean, yeah, know what you want. If you want something cool, go for it. But if you're like, just be open, be open to what might unfold for you in a place like this. Because when you have maybe blinders on like, I want to play for this person or I want to, right for this person or I want to have this kind of experience don't shut out people that you think aren't on your particular trajectory because like does that make sense yeah I don't know I just think it all really comes down to people like if someone said come to the show you know if you don't know the band you don't know what might happen if you go yeah so you should go and then you might meet one person right and that will lead to something yeah and just be interested in them as people you know and like yeah you don't know what things like that'll lead to but that's also where like you can literally go to a show every night in nashville so just like know your boundaries oh yeah you can no like take care of yourself (laughs) go after it a little too much fun yeah which is cool but just remember to sleep sometimes right yeah and just like find ways that particular for you of like finding your own inspiration like how do you get yourself back on track and like just be gentle with yourself because some days you're going to feel like you don't measure up uh, or you just don't feel like playing but just whatever over time you discover is like your way of making this town finding your place yeah just give it time right what is your biggest personal growth from last year to this year Mm. well losing my mom was that was a paradigm shifter I think I think it really caused me to it's like the whole life is short time is precious really sunk in not that I'm inviting that to sink in more deeply, but like <laughs> it it made time and people uh, really stand out as like the precious like things that they are. And so it caused me to kind of kick my own self into gear. Like, of course, grieve the grieving process is very difficult and like it comes in waves. And I'm not saying I'm like living... <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm definitely, like, wanting to honor her memory by making the most of the time that I have. But, like, I'm allowing for all the the pain and that stuff to sift through. So that's that's been a really big, important thing is, like, feeling what I need to feel and being present in that experience and those emotions. But also it's, like, a strange thing that then makes me want to live life all the more fully and some days I do that better than others but really it's I think that's why the I've harped on so much about people and community is just like that's always been something that I've cared about 
and felt very much like like collaboration is the best thing but losing that relationship even though I shouldn't say losing I strangely feel close close to her still but having that so starkly like slapped in my face of like I, I don't have my mom here anymore has made yeah people so much more precious and the way that that then influences how I sit down with myself and how I like try to dive into emotions how, how I try to write it's like am I actually being real like am I am I making something that's like true to my existence as a person which sounds very like you know hoji up there and like but it's really not it's like I'm just trying to be more real with myself and 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 not beat myself up when I feel like I don't know how to say something as well as I want to or whatever it's just like allowing myself to be more common time yeah yeah so just like appreciation trying anyways right okay is there anything else you would like to add that I might not have asked you about um yeah it was nice to talk about the travels um I feel like that's a big part of my life that ever since I moved to Nashville I haven't really like sometimes we forget the cool things we've done in our lives I think so I think we've done a pretty good job friends of mine new music coming out that's exciting I don't know anything coming up for you our band will probably play next month Fun. A friend of mine? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, for your music? Yeah, for my music. Oh, cool. Yeah, we're still writing our songs. We're at like four original songs right now. We're trying to get to 30 minutes. It's awesome. Yeah, so. Very exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'll be. The reason I was like, you did care? <laughs> I'm gone the whole month of July, but if you uh, guys play again after that oh we will yeah hopefully that's actually good that you won't see us in July it's gonna be like our first show and we're gonna need to work out the kinks and no feeling but it's all exciting yeah you just gotta do it exactly that's the other piece of advice I'd tell people is just do it just do it you're never gonna feel totally ready oh yeah you know there's always something to learn which is cool like embrace the learning process yeah don't be afraid to fail right yeah. Don't get embarrassed because someone else will let that stop them yeah. from doing something. Yeah, and it's your, makes you more like makes people connect with you. Yeah. Because because they're like, like oh, yeah. they're human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like me. And they're like, now I'll feel more at home around you because you're willing to do something I'm not willing to do, mm-hmm. which will kind of liberate me. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. kind of like what Jim Carrey says. He's like, I get to be the guy that everybody looks at, and he do, I do the crazy thing, and everyone gets to laugh. I get to be that guy, yeah. and and everyone gets to relax around me because I'll be the one that does all the that yeah. you can point your finger at, basically. <laughs> yes, but then he ultimately gets the. That's got to feel so good making people oh, laugh. Man. I bet that. it's a high. I bet that's an extreme high. Oh, yeah. But there's definitely the lows that come with it. I'm not yeah. as funny, or like because mm. most comedians are going to be like really depressed. Yeah, I wonder. Lot, so much of your personal satisfaction comes from 
making other people laugh yeah. so that comes from outside of yourself mm-hmm. so it's like and you need that to be a comedian or else you can just entertain yourself I guess that's what I was thinking is like who you then feeds audience. into you yeah exactly you, know, like, you need an audience in order to be a comedian right I mean yeah it's like the scenes in movies where like, they're like trying to tell their dog a joke and it's like the dog's just like uh, are you gonna feed me now <laughs> right okay cool last question what is something absurd you love or do absurd I feel like I've mentioned so many absurdities today Oh god, there's gotta be something. Kind of a weirdo. I do. Are you superstitious? I don't know if superstitious is the right word, but I definitely try to. I'm just like, I don't know. Don't step on that crack. <laughs> I kind of used to be weirdly OCD about cracks, actually, but um, I've conquered that. I've accepted that. I know there's something, but I don't know if there's anything, but I probably everything I do is slightly absurd. You should ask Caroline that question. She'll give you a good answer. What do you do that's absurd? Well, I like to vacuum. Oh, okay. So it doesn't have to be absurd. It's just like I mean, it is kind, kind of, of absurd. I get paid to vacuum. My business is far for detailing. I clean vehicles, so... But then you still want to vacuum when you come home? I mean, I... Yeah. I mean, not really. I guess it's not that obsessed with vacuuming I just it's therapeutic to me yeah yeah seeing things go I'm a I'm a visual learner so seeing things go from chaotic and then I clean it it makes me feel like I clean my soul (laughs) yeah you kind of have it's like feng shui it's like they say our out our outards our external worlds are reflections of our internal world so why would it not help the other way around Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I love... I'm one of those people, it's like, I just talk about, you know, consciousness and plants and the interconnectedness of things, which can be absurd to a lot of people, but I think it's true. I like to walk around barefoot and... Yeah, earthing. Talk to, I talk to plants. There you go. I'm like, okay. which I don't think is absurd. I think it's very... What's the most in-depth conversation you've had with a plant? Uh, oh, I mean, it's like... I just tried to acknowledge them as beings. You're like, hello. Yeah, like well, there's a vine growing on my deck, and it's really adorable because I've been, I've watched it since it like first started peeking through my steps, and and it's getting to the point where I can tell it's trying to. These things are fascinating. The way they find the cracks and the things to like twirl like twirl themselves around, wrap themselves around. It's following the sun. Yeah. Wherever the sun peeks through, that's where it's going to go. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. It's, it's what, like, whenever a, an onion starts sprouting, like, mm-hmm. it's, that's it, like, still trying to touch the sun. Wow. That's something That's why contemplate. trees grow up. Yeah. Plants grow up, like, they're trying to reach the sun. Yeah. Wow. Right. Um, I was just thinking about, okay. But, yeah, so there's this vine... And I can tell it's trying to, like, reach across to the other, like, hand railing. And I'm like, no, no. (laughs) So I just basically say hello to it and try to send it some good vibes because I think they respond to that. Like anything else, I think we're interacting with other... Does it have a name? No, I don't... I don't know what I'd rather it would be. Yeah, I'm just like, hey, bud. 
How's it going today? How's it going? Yeah. I mean, I don't sit there and have full-on conversations, but I just try to be like, you're a living being. You might have a different consciousness than I do, but I'm going to try be to be nice to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's a big... In our modern society, that's why we have some of the, so many of the environmental issues that we do is because we've, we've totally separated ourselves from, and disconnected ourselves from realizing that literally everything we need to survive comes from the earth. Right. But we've isolated ourselves into houses and buildings that have taps that turn on water. We don't realize that comes from somewhere else. And right, and our meat comes in packages. Yeah. At one point, that animal had to get killed and then stripped of its meat and then cooked. Yeah. And we buy it. It's just... I was having this conversation with someone. Is it more psychotic for someone to buy their meat, like, encased in plastic and bought at a store, or is it uh, for them to kill it? And yeah do it themselves right and I think killing it and doing it yourself puts you more in touch with earth because mm-hmm. you had to like how to inconvenience go kill it and then skin it and then you know eat it whatever yeah prepare it well you had to take its life exactly too. Yeah, yeah exactly you had so, to be willing to pull the trigger or whatever yeah exactly yeah. And then going through all that work, it's like I'm sure that teaches you a lot about the animal and Yeah. Definitely. Respect. I haven't done that yet. Because we just like throw meat away and it's in packages and it's yeah. just like that was an animal that didn't even get eaten. Yeah. I know. And if you think about it too, like if you like I've heard of families like a guy, you know, going out and shooting a deer for the winter and it lasts him and his family. Oh, yeah. The entire winter. Yeah, it's just a big freezer. Yeah, it's like one animal that, you know, I know Native Americans have certain, I shouldn't lump them all together, but I heard this story once in this amazing book, Braiding Sweetgrass. That's an absurd what, thing I still love to do. I love to read. Oh, really? Oh, What yeah. are some of your favorite books? Oh, goodness. Are you gracious. more of a fiction reader or I'm nonfiction? Both. I'm both okay. for sure. I grew up, like, you could hardly get a book out of my hands growing up. I should have said that was one of my earliest interests. Um, I would like read. That is definitely one of my favorite books, Braided, Braiding Sweetgrass. What is it called? Braiding Sweetgrass. I think it's a beautiful marriage of like, um, she's technically, I can't remember the tribe that she's part of, but it's like a beautiful marriage of the Native American philosophy. Again, not, don't mean to lump them all together because I know that's not really correct, but um, generally speaking, the connectedness to nature and the way that many Native Americans approach life and then and the like interconnect interconnectedness of all beings and then she was also like a biologist. So she has this very scientific, like appropriate The spiritual meets the science. Yeah, it's really amazing and she's a beautiful writer. Um Robin Wall Kimmerer, I believe is the author. Uh I am I just read a Neil Gaiman. American Gods. Yes, I didn't. I have read that, but I just finished his um, collection about Norse mythology, which is really fun, really easy, and really fun to read. And I, the one I'm starting, there's two I'm gonna start. Or there's sorry, there's one I just started called Sapiens. Oh, by you, 
Yuval Noah Harari. Yeah. I've read that. Have you? I've got like one chapter in and I love it. There's another one that I want to start that my a dear friend of mine just was like I tell I recommend this book to everyone. It's called this Sand Talk, I believe, mm-hmm. and it's by ooh I'm blanking on his name. He's a Aboriginal writer, but I've heard it's incredible. There's this po- honestly there's this podcast called The Emerald. It is it's amazing. It's put together by this guy, Josh Shry and the stuff that he's talking about, like, that's my absurd thing. I listen to this podcast and I just, like, absorb it and he is talking about some super important topics and, like, how you integrate the things that, you know, we care about and, like, being connected in a very real, like, embodied way with, like, being a modern human being. You know, and like how we've lost things that would really benefit us to be in contact with again. Like even if it's just having a small garden so you learn how food that you watch food grow and you have that connection, you know. Right. Which I know isn't it's a hard thing to do sometimes with time and kids or whatever other right. responsibilities you might have. But anyways, I can go on and on about books okay. and stuff. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for coming here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hanging out and doing this. Absolutely.